Amen. So uh, when I got back from Israel, uh, Chris called me and he said, hey, hey, I can pick you up if you need. I said, yeah, that'd be great. I felt like we were supposed to talk anyway. And uh, basically, he asked me a few questions, but a large majority of the talk that we had was him giving testimony to what God's been doing over the last couple of months. And can you just take a couple of minutes and just share some of the, the, the highlights? Yeah, um, so, you know, I started coming to church here a couple months ago, and I really started looking for my relationship with God. And um, I started to, to really try to follow what he has asked me to do. And I've struggled with a business. I started a business five years ago and struggled uh, for four years just trying to, <laughs> trying to get something to work. Yeah. And... Um, couple months ago one of my employees we we always have trouble finding employees uh finding people that want to work finding people that are happy to be there and one of the guys that works for me uh came to me and said hey i got a buddy that wants to start after the first year so i said that's good you know and um so that guy came to work and you know i could feel god starting to work in my life and yeah. i started that fast <laughs> if you don't know, we just finished a 21-day fast corporately, and different people fasted different things, and you were on that fast. I was you on just that fast, it. and we had a problem. We, were, we had a van broke down, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought I was going to have to go get into a bunch of payments and interest, and uh, I went to look for the van the day before the new guy started, or the, actually the Friday before he was starting on the Monday. I was heading to dealership, thought I was going to get into a whole bunch of interest and payments that I didn't want to get into. And on the way to the dealership, I got a call from somebody that said, hey, uh, I got a used van here that I think you might be interested in. I was like, I'm gonna go meet with these couple people and then I'll get up with you and I'll, yeah. we'll see what we can work out. So I decided if I could get the van for a certain amount of money, um, that I buy that van, I had that amount of money yeah. that I could put towards the van. Saved about $8,000 on that van. Glory to God. Um, the new guy came in Monday. I had a call the Sunday before the new guy started. A guy I used to work with at another company called and said, hey, uh, we're slow, do you have anything I can do? I said, yeah, come on in, you know, you can, you can help us out uh, for a day or two until you get some work in. He came and helped us that Wednesday. He called and said, I quit my other job. Can I come work? You told me if I ever needed a job, I could come work for you. So he came to work for me. Uh, we got a couple more guys that are helping us out temporarily. And then it started to hit me. Uh, I got to have enough work to keep all these people busy. <laughs> so I talked to that guy on Wednesday had a discussion with a couple people at work about whether we were going to have enough work. Started getting calls Friday. And I don't, I don't know if anybody knows how construction works, but especially residential construction, you start working for a certain general contractor, after a while you're just doing their work. Yeah. And if you turn that general contractor away because you don't have enough people to get to his work, 
they usually go find somebody else and somebody else is doing the work. Well, two out of the three people that called me that Friday were people that we used to work for, but we didn't have time to get to their work. Yeah. So usually you just don't see that happening. You said, I got in the car and here, here's what I want you to hear. He goes, man, I said, man, it's good to see you. I want to hear what's going on. And he said, I got some stuff to talk to you about. I was like, amen. And uh, I, said, he, I said, what's been going on? He said, basically, since you've been gone over the last two weeks, my, our business has doubled. I'm like, glory to God, amen. And uh, hallelujah. And now, yeah, praise God. And then, now, you know, what everybody might not know is a few months ago, you just said, Lord, I'm going after you. I, I'm turning yeah. my heart towards you. I'm yours. You know, my stuff is yours, I'm yours, everything. You turn, and all of a sudden, then you went on this fast, and it, it started looking, started breaking things, right? That's and, the big thing, is I, I haven't done anything different. Yeah. I haven't advertised any different, or done anything <laughs> different in life other than yeah. commit myself to, to Jesus. Amen. You did that. You said, Lord, I'm yours. All of a sudden, and this was your words the other day, you were like, this is just easy. Yeah. It's just easy. And I was like, glory to God, it is easy. That's what the word says. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. He, and I told him, I said, you're going to get to the place where when you're walking with God, you're going to say, you're going to say, man, why doesn't everybody do this? Yeah. You know, why doesn't everybody? And I'm there now. So, so I'm wondering why I didn't do it a long time ago. <laughs> but glory to God, you're there yes. now. And so then you were saying on the van, like, you're going to have to go to all these places and shop around. You didn't even have to go shop. You get a phone call from somebody and says, hey, I got a van. It's the right van, the right price. You're not in debt. It's like just working right that's what Jesus does and then not only that but then you said you just felt led that you needed to take more people on no but you know in the logistics of it if I got more people I got to have the work when he heard from the Lord that was the Lord telling him that because he's going after him because he's going after him there is cause and effect God's not mocked and he sowed himself. So then he goes after. The Lord says, bring on more people. It didn't necessarily make all the logical sense. But on Friday, he gets three phone calls from three different businesses saying, I want to use you. I want to use you. And because he had the people there, he could say, yeah, let's do it. It's working. Yes. Would you agree? Yes, it is. <laughs> I loved it's unbelievable. it. it. God is so good. He is. Amen. Glory he is. to God. <laughs> Love you. Praise God. It's easy. And that was in the, in the truck. He said, it's just easy. I'm like, amen. It's like the easy button. Boop. <laughs> Glory to God. And uh, that was what I wanted to talk to you. In our offering today, uh, I want you to see this first. 1 Timothy 6.17. Now, if you're here, you have an offering. And here's what I want to tell you. This is our normal offering envelope. If you have your regular tithes and offerings, uh, for Boomerang, put them in here. But we do have uh, Teddy here today. And if you've got an offering that goes to Teddy, then make sure that you mark it as love offering or guest on there. Or you can break it up on the side and put that in there. Make sure that you mark it. If you don't know if it should go in where, put it in love offering, okay? All right, just so that you know that. And then if you're online, you can go to uh, givebc.org and you can give there as well. 1 Timothy 6.17 says this, Instruct those who are rich in this present world. Now, here I want you to hear this. 
I want you to hear what he's given a godly instruction, okay? Not to be conceited, and in what way? Or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. In other words, one of the things God's saying is, if you put your hope on the uncertainty of riches, he's saying that's conceited, that's prideful. You're putting, you're putting your hope in something that's not God. If God's not the source of it, you don't need to put it there. And he says here, but then watch this next statement. Don't put your hope on what's in the bank account. Don't put your hope on figures on a page. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in the one who does not fail. Put your hope in a storehouse, a heavenly storehouse that where moth and rust doesn't destroy. All of a sudden, you can sow into your heavenly account and pull from an account that no thief can steal. It's protected in heaven. And you need something, you say, Lord, I need something out of my account. You draw it down right into your life. But see, a lot of people don't have a big storehouse because they put their hope in the bank account and what they have or what they think they're going to get instead of God. But if you'll trust God, look at this next part of the verse. It says this, But put your hope, your joy, your confidence, your expectation on God, who richly supplies us or richly gives us with all things to enjoy. God has a heart to give to you richly all things to enjoy. All things to enjoy. I know Brother Copeland, he said this. He said one of the best prayers you can pray is, is Lord, I sure would enjoy that because God already has it pre-programmed. I want to richly give you all things to enjoy. And he just says, I sure would enjoy that. I found uh, just recently, some, I'm trying to remember what it was. Just recently, I had something in my heart. Nobody knew about it. All of a sudden, somebody uh, walks up and that thing just appears right there. Nobody even knew. I just knew it. It was just, he saw the enjoyment in my heart. He's a good, good father. And he said, oh, I see that. I want, I want to bless that right there. That's who God is. Now, what I want you to do is, I just want you to look around you in here. Look around. Lights, y'all don't see lights like I see lights. <laughs> but look at the chairs, microphones, stuff. We just turned 11 as a church. 11 years ago, we, we started in the living room. Guess how much stuff we had? Nothing. <laughs> we didn't have anything. I remember going to a church in that first year or two. I looked up, and I, and I saw like a mic stand. And I was going, oh. I love it. That would be so nice to have a mic stand. Glory to God. I, just, I praise God that they got it, but I sure wish we had something, you know, anything. We didn't have anything. A couple years later, we move into the building uh, that we were in before this. Everything that we owned would pretty close fit under this table. Everything. Everything we owned. Look around you. Look around you. Look what God has done. Look what God has done. Who wants, who loves to give to us and supply us richly with all things to enjoy. Look around you. Look at the stuff. You hadn't even seen the stuff. You know, we're, we're clearing out this, uh, the fellowship hall over here. Man, stuff's piled up. I gotta, I'm going to have to call in pastors and say, come get what you want. Just stuff that's now ours. Right? Where we started with nothing. God desires to get things to you. 
He desires it. It's his heart. You're his children. He's a good daddy, right? Look around. God just gave this stuff to be a blessing. Yeah, to advance the kingdom and also because he loves you. He just loves you. Now, how did this stuff get here besides God's heart? In Hebrews 11, in verse 3, it says this. It says that all of the things that you see were not made from things that you see. It says they were made from things that do not appear. In other words, whatever you can set your eyes on, it didn't start like that. The foundation of it was in the Spirit of God. Like over in Genesis, where did it come from? Light be. Heavens be. Fish be. Animals be. In other words, God just said, look, there's, there's the Spirit, and when I speak, I can call things into being. It's not hard for God to bring things into being. It's not hard to draw them into that place. It's not hard for God to fill up a church. It, listen, it's not hard for Him to fill up your bank account. It's not hard for Him to get seed in your hand. It's not hard. The devil's taught us that it's hard, but it's not hard. And as long as you think that it's hard and hard is normal to you, then guess what? That becomes then a stronghold that will hold you back from the promise of God. But when you start seeing the ease with which God just says, light be, riches be. Fill up that building. You know, we got filled up. The building filled up in 2011. You know how it happened? Because at the end of 2010, I'm sitting there praying. I'm at, at my desk in, in my house. I'm praying. All of a sudden, the Lord, what did he do? The same thing he did in Genesis. He spoke a word. He said, 2011, I want boomerang built, established, and filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And by the end of 2011, we had so much stuff, the building we were in, we couldn't hold it all. One word, everything changes. One word. You're in a place where there's going to be some words this week. You're in a place. It's not hard for God. And guess what? When he sent us all that stuff to fill it up, it wasn't cheap Walmart stuff. No, no, no. It was precious and pleasant riches. He desires to give you richly all things to enjoy. Not richly all things that you don't care about. No, pleasant and pleasant and precious riches. This is what he's after. This is his heart. It's easy for him. Now, if you don't know it's easy for him, then you can struggle all the rest of your life. But if you know that God has no problem creating things and getting them to us. It's easy and he wants to. Whatever you have need of, it's easy and he wants to get it to you. How many people, like you'd, you'd enjoy some things that God can get to you? Yeah, got any takers? Yeah. If, 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 if you would enjoy some things, just say amen. 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 Glory to God. It's easy and he wants to. Hear this, I just wrote this down. If there is a hard part to it, if there is a hard part to it, it has been the strongholds in our mind and in our thoughts concerning giving and receiving. Not just giving, but receiving as well. One time I tried to give somebody uh, just a, a smoothie. If 
$5 smoothie. They're like, no way, I can't accept that. I can't. They, they had a stronghold about receiving. They were givers, but they were horrible receivers. Horrible receivers. If it's hard, if it has been hard, it's where we've had strongholds concerning giving and receiving. He said, I, I wrote this, it's been the strongholds that we have been holding on to and what we think that becomes hard. Or the stronghold is thinking that it's going to be hard to give or hard to receive. See, if I ask you right now, if I ask you right now, I want you, everyone in here, now listen to this. If I said right now, I want everyone in here to write a check and give in the offering this year $100,000. Many of you would go, oh, who is, what does he think he's doing? But see, the, uh, Jesus' words, they're coming up to me more and more, where he said to the Pharisees, you do err, not knowing the scripture nor the power of God. It's not, listen, it's not your bucket that seed comes out of. It's God's bucket. And how big is his bucket? See, what we've done is we've had a stronghold that we don't have enough. You're looking at the wrong bucket. we got to look to God and see what he has. And all of a sudden we start to understand, hey, God will give me everything that I need. Not just to give, but he'll give me everything I need also to enjoy. And it's his bucket. We have a great big God with a great big heart towards you, and he wants to get things to you. Matthew 11 says this, Jesus said, come to me, I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. It's easy, just like Chris said, easy. It's just easy. I turned my heart toward him. I just started telling God yes and telling my flesh and the devil no. And things started working. Yeah. It's easy. Yeah. It's easy. Yeah. That's the way it is. That's the way Jesus said it would be. And Carol and I are in such agreement. The struggle is over. Amen. The struggle is over. If it's hard and heavy, it's not of God. It's an indicator. Something's off. And a lot of times it's been right here. And it's not that people don't go through things. It's not that the devil doesn't challenge them. But there's a difference between how you walk into that. Because some people walk in not knowing if they're going out. And other people walk into a situation knowing they're going through. And it's easy. Amen. Disciples were fearing for their life in the boat. But Jesus said, peace, be still. Right. It was easy for him. He's asleep on the pillow. Yeah. They're, they're fretting. There's a difference in how we approach God, how we approach problems, and what we know about God who loves us so much, who gives us all things richly to enjoy. It's easy. Amen? As we give this week, don't just move in, I'm, I'm just going to give what's logical. Just say this, Lord, what do you want me to give each service? Whatever you want me to give, I give it to you. Why? Because it's easy for you to get it to me. Oh, you, gotta, you break off a rock from one planet and everything changes. Break off a rock, land it in my backyard, everything changes. Have me out there digging up shrubs and all of a sudden, think, what was that? And let's start digging around a big old chunk of gold. Everything changes. Been there the whole time. Listen, same thing with his testimony. 
There's things God was trying to get him. And as soon as he said, Lord, I'm yours. My stuff is yours. My life is yours. My thoughts are yours. All of a sudden, the communication started to happen again between him. And God said, hey, hire those people. Hey, you call him about the van. Hey, you call him about the business. And all of a sudden, his testimony is, it's just easy. It's easy. This is the God we serve. He loves you. He desires the best for you. He's got things to give to you. Just stand on your feet right now. Hold up your offering. Lord, right now, we just receive this. If you're online watching, you can go to givebc.org. Father, we praise you. This is our heart. This is our life. Lord, this is everything we want it to be. Lord, we're giving to you the way that we want to give to you. We're giving out of joy, cheerful, and in abundance. Father, we praise you, we worship you, and we give to you, and we thank you. We thank you. We give in worship. We give in praise. We give in hope and expectation. Lord, there might be some things that we need to change. Father, we're sowing, and we know that you are not mocked. Whatever we sow, we will reap. And as we give with a heart towards you to love, love you, trusting in your goodness and your love, something's changing right now. Just like it changed in Chris's life, just like it changed in Pastor Brian and Nicole's life, just like it changed in Ted and Carolyn's life, just like it changed in so many of your lives. It can change again. It can change greater. And it's going to. Lord, we give and we give in faith. Lord, the change has begun. In Jesus' name, amen. You may bring your offering forward. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, every hour, every minute that is represented by the, the finances in here, every tithe, every offering, every ounce of giving, Lord, let it be returned to them according to their heart. As they gave it according to your word, Lord, let it be multiplied, pressed down, shaken together, and returned. Lord, let it be supernatural this week. Let it be supernatural in Jesus' name. We praise you and we love you. And Father, we receive it. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. So one of the things uh, we are so excited about this week is just the change that's going to happen in our lives. And uh, one of the things as I was praying about this week, I felt like the Lord wanted us to do was he wanted us uh, to make some confessions. And uh, I, I believe that this week things are going to be totally different. Last year we had a word from the Lord and it said this. It said that in 2019 this would be a year of thrust like none other. This would be a year that we thrust the sickle into the harvest. And 2020 is our year of harvest. Amen? Anybody receive that? Amen. Amen. Now, important, the word says this, I believed 
and therefore I spoke. In other words, uh, over in Joshua it says, if you will meditate on my word day and night, right? Meditate. The word there literally means to mutter, to confess the things of God. Uh, Ted knows about it. We've talked about it multiple times. A few years ago, the Lord gave me a word about getting out of debt. I started speaking that over this church. In a year, one year period of time, there was almost $950,000 of debt supernaturally erased. There was over $150,000 of income that supernaturally increased, right? All in one year period of time. Well, we only had about 30 or 40 people coming at the time. That's a lot. Just yesterday, we heard of another. It's still happening now because we haven't stopped that confession. Yesterday, somebody called me and said, and they're, they're kind of a partner with what we're doing, and uh, they, they wanted to get in on that too. Yesterday, they called and said, we just got $11,000 worth of debt released. Glory to God. Amen. I mean, that's life-changing. Are, these are life-changing things. So when I did that, I went, man, that confession stuff works. Glory to God. Which I knew before, but man, when I applied it, it just went right to work. I said, I need to confess some more stuff. So I started adding to it. And then I added, added one more, and then I added, well, I've got it about down pat now, but now I got seven things. I want you to confess with me. And as you confess, I want you not just to say it. I want you to get it in your heart. And I believe we're going to do this each day this week. We're going to confess these things. Let it be a change to you, all right? Listen to this. Number one, say it with me after I say it. We walk in the full manifestation of our inheritance in Christ. Two, we are out of debt and carry a debt-canceling anointing. And we flow in supernatural abundance. For every good work. Now, if you know your Bible, these are all based on Scripture, every single one of them. Number three, we have divine health in our bodies now, and we carry an anointing for supernatural healing. Every weapon formed against us is exposed, will not prosper. And is, and is destroyed. We walk, we walk in, the in the fullness of faith, hope and love. Hope and love. We, win we win souls. We love righteousness. We love righteousness. Hate, sin. Hate sin. Walk in holiness, walk in holiness. And, are and are anointed by God. By God. We, keep we keep increasing in wisdom, in wisdom and, stature, and stature and in favor with God and man, and the struggle is over. Amen. Glory to God. Well, we're going to jump right in to Brother Ted. These guys, we met them, I guess, it's probably it's close to nine or ten years now. And uh, we met, and uh, they had a fire of God that you just don't see on many people. Instantly, uh, I was just impressed with them, and I had a heart for them. And uh, over the years, we've just become closer and closer and, uh, you know, just become friends in the, in the kingdom, become friends in the gospel, partners uh, advancing the things of God, partners in winning souls and making disciples. And uh, if we need something, we can reach out to them and they can reach out to us. And it's our honor and our pleasure for Nicole and I uh, to have some of our best friends in ministry 
uh, and a support to us, people that will help us drive and go for more. Uh, and that, that's what we want to be to everybody as well, but it's, you don't find those everywhere. But they, the things they're doing, it drives me to be more hungry for the things of God. They're a support. They're a drive. They're, they're the love of God, and I just appreciate their heart and uh, appreciate you guys very much, and it's yours. Uh, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr., amen. Love you. Praise the Lord. Well, would you give Jesus a hand this morning if you love him? You're happy about your redemption? Amen. I'm so happy to be with you guys this week. It's, it's going to be powerful. I'm ready. I got my face stirred up, fast and praying, ready to go. And I'm believing for miracles this week. And uh, I'm believing that whatever it is that you are asking the Lord to do, that he will quickly accomplish before this week comes to an end. And that, as I say often, that our uh, testimonies will be in our hand in Jesus' name. And that every prayer request will be turned into a praise report. Amen. And this is our week to receive those things. And I want to say thank you to Pastors Brian and Nicole for having Carolyn and I and my family this week. Uh, it's an honor to be with you. And I, I, I count it an honor to be able to minister to you guys. And uh, I know it's going to be a week of miracles. And um, I want to say welcome to uh, our friend, Brother Corey Johnson, flew in. And would you give him a hand? Welcome him. He flew in from uh, Tampa or Pittsburgh? From flew up from Tampa, and he's going to be joining us today, and then he has to fly back tomorrow. But, uh, Brandy, if you're watching, we love you too, and thank you for uh, allowing him to come. Amen. And the Carmonas are here as well. Would you give them a hand and welcome them? It's great to have them. Hallelujah. And also everybody that's watching online, we love you guys. And stay tuned this week and uh, receive. You know what's interesting is you can receive a miracle even by watching through live stream. And we've, had, we've literally had testimonies come in of people that have received healing miracles, deliverance miracles, just from watching on the live stream. And those kinds of things are amazing. It's, it shows you that there's no uh, distance in the anointing. You know, Jesus himself had the ability to just send a word. And when he sent the word, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 8, the centurion servant was healed from that hour. And so it's a wonderful thing to know that the anointing has no limitations, has no boundaries. It can travel to where you send it and accomplish what you send it to do. Can you say amen? And that's a wonderful aspect of being a part of the body of Christ is that God has given you the ability to speak with the power of His Word. And when you speak with the power of His Word, what is true about God's Word becomes true about your Word. And God said regarding his own word in Isaiah 55 and verse 11 that when he sends it out, it never comes back empty nor does it come back void. But it always accomplishes what he sends it to do and prospers in the thing whereunto he sent it. And so the same thing becomes true about you. That when you speak the word of God, that same power that is on God's word is on your word. And that word will come to pass in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And so that's what we're believing, that maybe there's people that are watching. We've invited people from all over, and we know there's people that are going to be joining us this week from other states even, but there may be people that cannot make it to be here in person in these meetings. But how many will believe with me that we'll send a word to them this week, even through the live stream, and see miracles take place where they are? And then those of you that are here, you're in the right place at the right time because God's going to move. Amen. We're setting our faith and believing. We've already seen, uh, just at the beginning of this year, mighty miracles take place. It was last October 
that the Lord began to speak to me and he said, start to confess that the final months of 2019 will be an on-ramp into 2020. He said, if you'll start confessing that now, I won't make you wait till you're a good ways into 2020 to see my power move. He said, I'll give you a head start. And so we started confessing all the way. I, I declared that. Lord gave me that at the end of August when I was in Pittsburgh. And we started confessing September, October, November, December. We're going to be an on-ramp into 2020. You know as well as I do that if you're going from a state road onto the interstate, they give you that on-ramp that's literally built at a decline so you can build up speed and then be at the speed limit of the interstate by the time you merge into traffic. And so there's not any delays or there's nobody, you know, there's no, uh, you know, pile-ups or any other issue. You just move and flow right into traffic. And God said, I'll do the same for you. I'll give you four months to speed up and build momentum in the Holy Ghost so that when you cross over to January 1, you'll merge right into what I'm doing for this new year in pure power and authority. And so that was our confession. Then, of course, we began the year with a 21-day fast and prayers you guys did and began to see miracles immediately take place. We were in Atlanta at the very beginning of this month. And um, miracles started popping. We had a guy, and of course, if you haven't seen it, by the way, it's on, our, it's on our magazine. If you don't get this, grab one before you go, free magazine. But at the bottom, we put it in violent increase. That is what we're confessing on 2020. It'll be a year of violent increase and expedited favor. Quick. Got any Amazon Prime members in the house today? Who's a part of Amazon Prime? Isn't that wonderful to have two-day free shipping versus 9 to 12 business days? I'll take that any day of the week. Now they're building these warehouses throughout the country. I know people that are getting six-hour delivery now. You can get six-hour delivery. That's expedited shipping. And I'm believing for expedited favor in 2020. It's, something, it's not going to take God 20 years to do what He wants to do. It's not going to take Him 15 years to accomplish it in your life. But how many of you believe that by the time 2020 comes to an end, your favor will have already showed up in Jesus' name? And so it's what we're confessing. Expedited favor, violent increase. People say, what do you mean by violent increase? Well, let me just say it this way. There's a big difference if you've ever been to the beach when the tide comes in and those waves wash up on the shore and if there's a storm and a tidal wave is building to hit the shore. Massive difference between the tide coming in and a tidal wave. I don't want a little tide coming in blessing. I want a tidal wave of God's blessing to hit my life. Because you know what happens? When a tidal wave hits, it destroys everything in its path. And I'm asking God, whatever sickness stood in your path, whatever disease stood in your path, whatever poverty or lack stood in your path, depression or anxiety stood in your path, when that tidal wave of God's blessing hits, every wicked thing that the devil has planned and set up in your life will be demolished by the power of the Holy Ghost in this new year. Can you shout amen? amen. And so that's what we're confessing. And violent increase, it already started in this month of January. And we were in Atlanta preaching at World Harvest Church. And uh, a guy wrote in, a man named Jeff wrote a testimony through Twitter. He said, I've been in every night of these revival services confessing with you violent increase for 2020. He said, I just wanted to give you my testimony. Today, I signed a contract for my business that will triple my income in 2020. Hallelujah. And in one day, just one day. See, it doesn't, God doesn't need a sequence of 15 events 
to get you into the overflow. In one day, with one contract, tripled his income for the year. A woman came forward. She said, you know, I was just believing for healing. And she said, I've had a lump in my breast for a long time. She said, but when we were there at the altar and the Holy Ghost was moving, she said, God touched me. I felt his presence come on me. She said, I didn't even think about it. I went back to my seat. And later, she said, I checked myself and the lump was completely gone by the power of God. Hallelujah. Another woman came in. She had just got into her 80s. I think she was 80 or 81 years old. Came in on crutches, back all crippled up. And she came in and the power of God touched that precious woman as the anointing was flowing in the service. She called the pastor the next day. She said, I got to give you a testimony. She said, it doesn't matter that I'm 80. She said, I got up today with no crutches and went on a, a one mile walk. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's some of us that can't do a one mile walk. You know what I'm saying? And she said, I got up and did a one mile walk with no crutches. Why? Because when God touches you, he can do it so quickly and so swiftly that the devil doesn't even have time to react to what God's going to do. Amen. I like that. When special forces teams go in and they do an operation, they do that thing so quick that the enemy doesn't even have time to react. One of the things blew me away. I was Anybody might remember this. Uh, you remember when those uh, pirates were on the ocean? They took that ship captive. Y'all remember that story? It was just a few years ago. And they took the ship captain and the whole ship. And there was like, I think they were Somalian pirates that took the ship. And they brought, they brought the special forces snipers out there on the water. Now you talk about accurate. If you got a boat that's moving in the ocean like this and another boat that's your target that's moving at a different pace and to have seven people that you got to take out at one time and the, every, everything's moving, everything's shifting and in one second every enemy was laid out dead by the accuracy of those snipers. That's how God will work by his power in your life. That every single thing that worked against you in 2019, God can make one move by the breath of his mouth and every wicked thing will lie flat at your feet in 2020 in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe that, somebody shout aloud, amen. amen. As God begins to move. See, I love this. In fact, let's, let's turn to uh, 1 Thessalonians. Let's look at that. 1 Thessalonians. And uh, I love this passage of Scripture. Paul is uh, dealing and teaching them about the coming of the Lord. Chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians. This may be the first letter Paul ever wrote, according to historians. This may be the first letter that Paul ever penned after his conversion, this first letter to the Thessalonians. He's encouraging them to live for the Lord, encouraging them to be godly people and to live a life that's worthy of their calling, live a life that's free from sin. And then he encourages them about the end times, that Jesus is coming back. And in the fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians, he starts talking about the rapture of the church. And uh, I want you to look with me starting at verse 13, 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Listen to this. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. And he's talking about people that are dead. That you may not grieve as others who have no hope. Why do people grieve when some people die? Because we don't know if they're in hell or if they're in heaven and we may never see them again. But when someone's got the assurance that they serve the Lord, you don't have to cry like others cry when they pass away because you know it's only going to be a short time and you're going to see them again. Amen. And that's what Paul's saying. And verse 14, For since we believe that Jesus died 
and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And uh, for this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself, verse 16, will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. Hallelujah. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are together with them, in, uh, we are alive who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord and encourage one another with these words. The reason we should be encouraged by those words is because Paul's teaching, we're not going to be left here to go through the wrath of God. That Listen, here's, here's a very, very powerful thought here. Jesus himself, I'm talking about split-second changes, split-second moves, Holy Spirit special forces. Jesus descends from heaven, but notice how he does it, with a shout. Jesus descends with a shout. And when Jesus descends with a shout, you know what he's doing, don't you? He's releasing the breath of God from his mouth. Oh, hallelujah. The breath of God is, if you've ever heard me preach on this, you'll know that you can literally hold your hand in front of your face while you speak and feel your breath coming out while you're talking. Because anytime you talk, it takes breath to release those words. And we know that the breath of God is the Holy Ghost. That's what God breathed into Adam when he formed him into a living being. He breathed, the Bible calls it the breath of life. It's the Holy Ghost. And that's the same breath that was in Jesus and is still in Jesus. And when he spoke at Lazarus' tomb, the breath of life came out and made Lazarus alive. Hallelujah. When Jesus spoke to the fig tree that would not produce in Mark 11, the breath of life came out and destroyed the rebellion that was in that tree. And that same, when he was on the cross, the Bible says in the final moments of his life, the Bible says he shouted with a loud voice and then gave up the ghost. But when he shouted, the Bible says the earth began to shake and tombs around the cross opened up and dead people came walking out of the tombs. You know why? Because his breath, the breath of life was released from his body and that breath was too much for death. Hallelujah. That breath was too much for death and it caused dead people to get up out of their graves. Well, that breath is going to be blown again. On the day of the rapture, he will descend from heaven with a shout. Hallelujah. And when that shout comes out of his mouth, think about this. Those that have been dead in Christ for years, some of them centuries. You think about how powerful this is. That breath will activate several gifts of the Spirit. You ever think about this? That breath will activate several gifts of the Spirit. Number one, it'll activate the working of miracles. Because it takes a working of miracles for dead people to get up. And so the working of miracles will be in operation when he shouts. But then think about this. Also the gift of healing has to be there. Because some of them have been dead so long, all that's left in there is bones. And that healing has to come upon them and grab every cell, everything that was decomposed from their body and put it all back together so that their full bodies can come out of the tomb and be reunited with their spirit man and God glorify their body. Hallelujah. Just the breath of Jesus 
will activate not only the gifts of the Spirit, but the power of heaven to not only raise the dead, but to transform us into new glorified bodies and lift us up into the clouds to meet him in the air. Hallelujah. The breath. See, when you speak the, the faith-filled words of God, you are releasing the breath of God, the same breath that made Adam alive, the same breath that brought Lazarus out of the tomb, the same breath that God caused graves to open up, the same breath that will cause the dead in Christ to rise. When you speak God's word, that same breath is coming out of your mouth. That same creative power is being released on the earth. And I want you to hear me today. In this year of 2020, God wants us to create some things by the word of power that's in our mouths. To not just take life as it comes and say, well, brother, you know how that's how it is. Life will throw a curveball at you. No. Life is not an entity that deals with you as a person. Life is what you make it by what you say and what you sow. By what you say and what you sow. And when you say sow, everybody thinks financial uh, offerings. And that's one aspect. But notice this. Every action you take in life is a seed. Every action. How you treat others. What you say. What you do in discipline to God's word. If you live holy, that's a seed. Thanks for all the shouts. Understand, everything you release from your life is a seed that will produce a harvest. The Bible tells us holy living produces so many blessings that it is the master key to everything that God has planned for his people. I could give you six to seven scriptures off the top of my head to back up that statement. Holy living is the master key that is a seed that brings every blessing God has set aside. And so God's expecting us to create some things this year and not to just sit back and put life on cruise control and hope for the blessing, but to declare, I am not going to sit back and just let what everybody else has happening in their life happen in my life. I am believing God to lift me head and shoulders above the rest. I am believing God that no matter what happens at my right hand or left or in my neighborhood or my county, it's not coming in my house. It's not coming on my children. It's not coming on my finances. Not coming on my body. In the name of Jesus, I'm creating a supernatural life by the words that are coming out of my mouth. Can you shout amen? You know, I was in the airport yesterday. It's like they got this thing going around. All this, this, uh, I don't even, it sounded like if somebody got a bad beer. It was the coronavirus or something. I don't, I don't know what happened, but somebody got a bad beer. Is that what it's called? The coronavirus? It's the, actually the corona. Corona should sue the virus for the rights to that. I imagine at this point, corona stocks are going down. I can't, but you know, you go through the airport. We're in Atlanta airport, Fort Lauderdale airport, and Charlotte airport. And I'm walking around, and all these people walking around with surgical masks on. I mean, that, first of all, that cracks me up. Because you think a little paper mask, microscopic germs are not going to find their way in past the paper mask. I mean, people crack me up. But secondly, you watch all these people living in fear. I don't want to catch that coronavirus. You know, you see, man, I don't know what they do for you. Like, doctors put a lime in your mouth. When you're lying out. You know, sprinkle some salt on you. I don't know what they do. <laughs> you know, got the coronavirus. They have to take you and sit you on a beach somewhere. 
But people are afraid, man, afraid for their life. I don't catch that virus, bro. That virus going everywhere. And, and I'm walking through the airport just laughing to myself and thinking that even if that virus was anywhere close or in that airport or among any of those people walked past me, that virus would have no authority or power to come into my body and take hold in my body. I've got something on the inside of me that is stronger than any virus that the world could create, that the devil could ever initiate. The blood of Jesus has washed us clean. And then the Bible says that the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead it dwells in you. And right now, it is quickening or making alive your physical body. I think to myself, if that spirit of the Holy Ghost could literally take Jesus' dead, decomposing body, or Lazarus, who'd been dead long enough that his sisters said, he stinks, don't open the tomb, he stinks. That's how long he's been dead and how he's been rotting in there. Jesus said, I don't care. I got something that's going to bring him back. And that Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from the dead was so powerful that it took a man dead three days, in Lazarus' case, four days, and shook them back to life. Now, anybody in here that understands, if you've been in a position where you've been dead, I mean, number one, for your organs to pop back on and everything, but let me just say this, for you to be laying there for three or four days with no oxygen to your brain, I mean, just a few minutes will cause you to be a vegetable. To be there for three days or four days with no oxygen to your brain, you should never, even if you do come back and start breathing again, there should be no brain activity in your head. But the Holy Ghost from heaven came into that tomb and took a dead, decomposing man and brought him back to life. And you're telling me that a coronavirus is too much for the spirit that lives on the inside of you and me? I'm telling you that every germ, every virus, every bacteria that touches your house has to die when it touches you in the mighty name of Jesus. It can't stay alive. It can't stay upon you. It has to shrivel and die when it touches Holy Ghost power and that Holy Ghost power is not somewhere in heaven just floating around the throne it is inside your body and that same power that has renewed you and rejuvenated you as a believer a new creature in Christ it's the same power that gives you authority over every wicked thing hallelujah Jesus said to the disciples I give unto you all power, hallelujah, to tread on serpents and scorpions. Well, he's not talking about actual serpents and actual scorpions. He's talking about the works of the devil. Everything, remember this, every single thing that is contrary to your redemptive rights as a believer is a work of the devil. You hear me say that? Every single thing that is contrary to your redemptive rights as a believer is a work of the devil. And if it's a work of the devil, then you've got authority over it in the mighty name of Jesus. I said you've got authority over it in Jesus' name. I mean, what are we talking about? I mean, you look at what's going on around the world with people just coming down with a, like oppressive depression to the point they want to kill themselves. Well, I know that the Holy Ghost who came to us because Jesus sent him, the Bible says he's the one that brings peace. He's the comforter. And so if he sent, 
if he was sent to me as my comforter, if something's violating my comfort, then it's a work of the devil. Because the Holy Ghost didn't come to lead me into depression. And he didn't come to lead me into anxiety. And he didn't come to lead me into suicidal thoughts and think about putting a gun in my mouth and taking my own life. The Holy Ghost was sent to me as a comforter, hallelujah, who comforts me in any time where the devil may try. You know, one of the names of God, Jehovah Shalom, the God of your peace. He's the God of your peace. And so anything that violates that redemptive benefit is a work of the devil. It's not just a work of the devil. It is an enemy to your soul. You know what's one of my favorite scriptures? Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good. And healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for the Lord was with him. For God was with him, this translation says. So anybody that would teach, well, brother, you know, sometimes God will put something on you, sickness or disease. He's just trying to strengthen you. He's just trying to make you lean more fully upon him. He knows, listen, he knows what he's doing. We just have to trust his eternal knowledge. No, the Bible says anybody Jesus dealt with, that was sick or diseased, you'll not find one person that he came to and he said, well, I've I've examined you and I've actually found that this is the work of my father. He did this to actually make you a stronger believer. So I'm not going to pray for you because you need to really get through this. He's teaching you to depend on him. He never said that. Never once. The Bible says they were oppressed by the devil. It was the devil that oppressed people and Jesus that made them whole. This millennial church we got now, they're teaching stuff contrary to the Bible. They're teaching people that if people are sick, it's because God wants them sick. And if people are getting healed, that's a demonic deception of the devil because God don't do those things anymore. They're literally teaching that. Well, miracles don't happen. So if you do see miracles in the church, that's a deception of the devil. No, God doesn't make people sick and the devil don't heal people. It's Jesus that heals and it, and it, and it is the devil that brings sickness and disease. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life, hallelujah, and have it more abundantly. So there is a redemptive benefits package that belongs to every believer. It's a wonderful thing to get a job with great benefits. Wonderful benefits. Everybody wants to work for a corporation that gives you great benefits. And so Jesus understood that. God understood that. He said, I'm going to make you a part of the family of heaven. And I'm just going to load you down with benefits. Hallelujah. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, who daily loadeth us down with benefits. Who daily loadeth us down with benefits. Ooh, hallelujah. You know, those benefits are wonderful. I can give you seven right off the top of my head because we confess them with our daughters every night. It's found in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 12 where the Bible says angels are flying around the throne of God saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive. Watch this. That means when Jesus died, He died to receive something for you. That means when he died, he, it was a transaction to purchase something so he could give it to you. What does it say? Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. 
Those seven things belong to you through your redemptive benefits package in heaven. And I'm telling you, anything that opposes any one of those seven things is a work of the devil. Anything. If you think God keeps people poor to keep them humble, then that's a slap in the face to Jesus who said, I'm going to shed my blood so that I could purchase for my people not just power, but riches. Riches here in this passage doesn't mean spiritual riches. If you study it in the, in the Greek language, it means natural wealth and riches. He died. And here's the other thing. Anybody that would look at this and say, well, brother, he was, he was purchasing that stuff for himself, for Christ. No. What do you think? Jesus had no power till he died? Slain to receive power? He had power before he died. He was raising the dead before he died. Cleansing lepers, but opening the eyes of the blind. Casting out devils before he died. He didn't have to shed his blood to get power. He got power when the Holy Ghost came upon him. The Bible says that when he came up out of the water, Jordan River, John the Baptist baptized him, the heavens opened up. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, and he was led into the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost. The thing that caused Jesus to have power is he got filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, he lived for 30 years and never did any miracles. He was just a normal carpenter man, though he was the Son of God, never did any miracles for 30 years. But then he got filled with the Holy Ghost. And for three and a third years, miracles abounded in his life to the point that the disciples wrote, if everything Jesus did was written in books, there wouldn't be enough books in the earth to describe all the miracles that he did. We only have a select few throughout the Gospels. We only see a portion of what Jesus did. What changed him? He, the same breath that I'm talking about, the breath that God blew into Adam, God blew that same breath into Jesus after he was baptized. And the Bible says he was filled with power. Hallelujah. And that he didn't have to die to get power. He already had the power. And then he said to the disciples, I give unto you all power. Woo, glory to God. Somebody shout, I have all power. Say it again, I have all power. And then you go over one book to 2 Thessalonians. I started in 1 Thessalonians, go to 2. And Paul's still teaching them here. And this is in the second chapter of 2 Thessalonians. Still teaching about the end times. And now he's speaking about the Antichrist. Here it's referred to as the man of lawlessness. And he's talking about all those that would oppose Christ at the end of time. And I love this. Look at this. Verse 7, 2 Thessalonians 2, 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. I mean, you know there's an antichrist spirit in the world now. It's all over the place. We know it. You can see. You look back at the, uh, just the prophecies. Jesus uh, prophesied what, things that would happen before he returned. You know what the two major ones were? Two major ones. He said it'll be like it was in the days of Noah, and it'll be like it was in the days of Lot. You know what those two things were? Days of Noah, extreme corruption and violence, the Bible says. God looked at the earth in the days of Noah, and everywhere he looked, extreme corruption and violence. Look around the world today. Extreme corruption and extreme violence. You can't even turn on the news without having another mass shooting or terrorist attack reported. They can't even get through a full news cycle talking about one before another one happens. 
You know, you say this stuff to unbelievers and they say, well, brother, you know, violence has been around since the beginning of time. Yeah, it has. But know what Jesus was saying. He was not saying that you'll never see these things and then before I come, violence. No, he referred to his coming as uh, using the analogy of a pregnant woman. And he said that the earth will start to feel birth pains or contractions like a pregnant woman does. If you ever remember the first time you had a child, ladies, some, some ladies get super hyped up and they've never had a baby before. And as soon as those contractions start really hitting, they head to the hospital immediately. And what does the nurse tell you? Don't come back. Go home. Don't come back till those contractions are five to ten minutes apart. And so what are they saying? Yes, the baby's coming, but not right now. What will be the sign that it's coming? The contractions get closer and closer together and more and more intense. Jesus used that analogy in Bible prophecy. He said, before I come back to the earth, this is Matthew 24, by the way, before I come back to the earth, you'll see these signs, not because you've never seen them before, but they'll happen more frequently and become more intense, like contractions. He said, and so you watch. He, he gave the example of earthquakes. You'll see earthquakes in diverse places. Do you know what they're telling us, the seismologists that study this? There have been more earthquakes since World War II to now than in the whole history of the world. It's increasing. It's becoming more intense. Places they've never even had earthquakes, they're having them. It's destroying cities. Why? It's a sign Jesus is coming. Violence is happening around the world at an unprecedented rate. I mean, when in your his, how many in here is older than 60? Raise your hand and don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed a bit. You're older than 60. Who's older than 50? Lift your hand. Don't be ashamed. How many remember when you were a kid? How many of you turned on the news and every single night there was another mass shooting? How many of you, when you were growing up, you turn on the news and another school was shot up? Or you went, you turn on the news and terrorists had taken out massive groups of people? It wasn't happening. I said it wasn't happening. And back then we actually had world news. They would give us world news on TV. It wasn't this like who's going to the red carpet and who got out of rehab. <laughs> and is Meghan and Harry going to leave England and come to L.A. or what are they going to do? Who cares? Actual world news. What was going on in nations? What was actually going on with nations? Now they just tell you what they want you to hear. But back then, and we, we didn't have those reports. You have another school shot up, another, you know, 70, you know, whatever. It didn't happen. It's a sign. Jesus said violence will not only increase in intensity, but also in frequency. And now every single, you know, I, I was looking at a, a calendar done by Pew Research Group, one of the most reputable research companies in America. And they gave a calendar where they colored in the days of every day of the year where there was a mass shooting where three or more people died in the shooting. And there was only like 60 days of the year that there wasn't one in America. And I'm telling you, as Jesus said, violence will increase in intensity and it'll increase in frequency as a sign he's coming. What was the second? He said it'll be like it was in the days of Lot. You know what the days of Lot? Extreme sexual perversion. Everywhere you look, extreme sexual perversion. It's not that there's never been sexual perversion before, but now it's open and blatant and no one cares. Now they've got transgender people sitting at public libraries reading to students that are five and four years old and flashing their private parts to all these kids and it's on the news and nobody cares about it. They just let it go on. Why? There's an antichrist spirit in the world that's trying. I was praying. I mean, no lie. The other night, I'm sitting there 
laying hands on every person in Georgia and, and literally anointing everybody with oil. And as I'm sitting there uh, through Atlanta, everybody in the church has come through the line. Here comes a guy through the line. I mean, bigger than me, probably like 6'5", jawline, Adam's apple, full wig, makeup, nails, dress, heels. Pow, I gave him one. <laughs> he needed the oil like everybody else. Hallelujah. Not a shame. Came right through. Came right through. No, nobody's ashamed. Listen, nobody's ashamed anymore. Nobody's ashamed anymore. You know, people used to be ashamed and have to hide it if they looked at pornography. They had to hide that stuff from people. Well, I, you know, I go, you, you know, you had to go to like a special place and all the magazines had like a black cover over them, you know. You remember when we used to still have video stores? Who remembers when we would go down to the video store? Family video. Or you went to town, and there was a place in the back with a black curtain. You had to actually step behind the black curtain to get the video that you wanted to get and then have the walk of shame up to the front of the... I'm saying this like I know more about it than I should, but I'm just telling, I'm just telling you that it was there. It was there. And people used to have to be ashamed that they did that stuff. Now nobody's ashamed. They brag about it. They brag about it online. They brag about it on social media. They repost it on social media. They don't care. We got people that literally go out and get drunk on Saturday night and post their drunk binge with their friends at the bar and the club and then come right into church on Sunday morning like there's no issue. Why? There's an antichrist spirit trying to make us believe that sin is okay and perversion's okay and violence is okay. It's just the way of the world, brother. You know, we're, it's a new day. It's 2020. But see, God's standards have never changed. God's word has never changed. He still feels the same that he's always felt for thousands of years understand what's happening what Jesus prophesied is coming to pass is that there's no longer any shame for sin in the same way there wasn't in the day of Lot when two angels walked into town and knocked on his door to get him out of Sodom and Gomorrah and the Bible says every man in the city not not the LGBTQ community every man in the city formed a gang and pounded on Lot's door and said send those two men out here so we can all have sex with them. That's what the Bible says. If you study it, you know what that is? Extreme sexual perversion. And it was a sign, Jesus said, that he was coming again. It's what's happening now. I'm not here telling you that I hate homosexuals or lesbians or transgender people. I love them. I love them just like I love anybody else. I pray for them just like I pray for anybody else. I preach the gospel to them just like I preach the gospel to anybody else. But if people don't change their ways, if people don't repent and accept Jesus as their Savior, then there's no hope to be had for eternity. Without Christ, there's no salvation. Without the gospel, there's no salvation. And if we water the gospel down, hear what I'm saying, if we water the gospel down in these final hours of time so that people aren't offended or so that they're not uncomfortable, then people will go to hell because nobody's told them the truth. And that's what's happening. That's a trend. That right now, that is a temptation of churches and believers to water down the Word of God so that people are not uncomfortable or so that people aren't offended. But see, you need to understand that when you draw a line in the sand and say it is black and white, there is absolute right and absolute wrong. You'll always have people on another side of the line. You can't be mad because people don't agree with you. There will be people that don't agree. But you have to stand for the truth and say, listen, I stand on the Lord's side. You look at the Old Testament. They did that. 
Joshua literally said, here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm drawing a line in the sand. Anybody that wants to be on God's side, come stand on this side of the camp. You can stay on that side and worship false gods if you want. Me and my family will be over here on God's side. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's a line that needs to be drawn in the sand in 2020. As we declare, I don't care what is accepted in society in 2020. I don't care what's accepted by the media or by the antichrist system as a whole. There is still a side that is God's side. And I refuse to water it down I refuse to do it undercover so nobody knows I'm a real Christian well brother we don't talk about that you know be, you know I don't want to offend anybody I do want to offend some people I you know there's a problem there's a problem if an antichrist spirit loves you there's a problem if an antichrist spirit has no problem with you it means you're not standing strong enough because they hated Jesus and he said himself you'll be hated all over the world for my name's sake and so there is a blessing for being hated the Bible says it's a persecution that we don't fully know in America but it's being known around the world that people are dying for the faith but this is a year by the power of God for the breath of life to come out of your mouth and to destroy things that the enemy's setting up hallelujah and to begin to create things that God wants to be created and to uphold the agenda of heaven upon the earth before it's too late for Jesus is coming soon and there's people that aren't ready but I made up in my mind and I know you have too that I'm going to be one of those that stands on God's side and says I don't care who doesn't like it I don't care who gets angry about it but I declare that as for me and my house we will serve the Lord and we will obey the mighty word of God and I will not compromise because of society and an antichrist agenda can you shout amen, amen. I mean a loud amen. amen because these are the final moments of time I mean literally I had a guy ask me the other day he said you think we're living in the last days I said no I believe we're living in the last minutes of the last day. I like what my Uncle Tiff said, evangelist Tiff Shuttlesworth. He said, I believe we're so close to the coming of Christ, I don't even buy green bananas. <laughs> That's how close. Live like you're ready. <laughs> Live like you're ready. It's interesting. Coming to the end of time. Jesus is coming. We can never let that fact leave our minds that Jesus is coming soon. He's coming. You know, there is a, an actual doctrine of the church called the doctrine of imminency. Just meaning his coming is imminent. Could happen at any moment, happen at any time. There's never been any prophecies that had to be fulfilled before Jesus could come, ever. Because his first coming is a signless coming. There are no signs that precede the rapture. There are only signs that precede the second coming of Christ. But the rapture, he comes as a thief in the night. Nobody will be ready for him, the Bible says. Those of us that are, it's because we've kept our lamps lit. Like the five wise virgins. Amen. We've kept our lamps. We've been waiting up for him. We've been, you know what's interesting if you don't know about that? That was a custom, by the way. Is that when somebody got engaged to a woman, and they were even if they were from far away, what they would do is they'd leave that woman with a promise. I am coming back to you. I am coming back to take you to marriage. But then he'd leave and go on a journey back to where he was from. And no one knew when he was coming back. 
because there were no cell phones, no internet, nobody could send a wire. And then she would wait for him. And it might take time, months, it might take years. And she would wait, and Jewish custom, she would keep a lamp lit in her window to let him know even if he came at night, I'm still waiting for you. I'm still waiting for you. And she would keep that thing, and she'd keep the oil in full supply, knowing it would never go out. Because if he came over the hills and saw no candle in the window, he would know that he'd been gone, and she thought he'd been gone too long and stopped waiting and moved on. So if he came back to her city and saw there was no candle in the window, he would go back to his home, and the marriage was annulled, or the engagement was annulled. And so the story of the five wise virgins and the five uh, foolish was that the five foolish would not keep enough oil in their lamps to stay waiting for the groom. And so the five wise were not only waiting and watching, but they had oil in their lamps ready to let it burn until he came. That's why you need the anointing in your life. The oil of the Holy Ghost. I'm waiting and watching. He's not going to come back and find me sleeping. He's going to come back and find me watching. The bride of Christ, that's me, and the groom is Christ when he comes. He'll find us watching. Hallelujah. He'll find us waiting. He'll find us ready. He's going to see the fire burning in me when he comes back. He's not going to, I don't care if he comes at midnight. He could come at 3 in the morning, and he's going to see the fire. Even when I'm sleeping, the fire's burning. Even when I'm taking my rest, the fire's burning. And when he comes back, he's going to find me on fire. He's going to find that my oil has not run out. He's going to find that your oil's not run out. And he'll see in your house the fire of the Holy Ghost. And when that trumpet sounds, and when he gives that shout, those that have the fire burning, I feel the Holy Ghost, those that have the fire burning will be caught up to meet him in the air. And nothing will be able to separate us from our groom. Woo, hallelujah. It's coming soon. And I want you to see this before I pray for you. 2 Thessalonians 2. The Bible says, and I got, I got down, I think, to the 8th uh, verse. Then the lawless one will be revealed. When? When the one who's restraining him is taken out of the way. Somebody shout, that's me. That's me. You're the one filled with the Holy Ghost that restrains the spirit of Antichrist. Do you realize you could go back through history? And find men who rose up with an antichrist agenda and spirit. But because the church was still here on the earth, they could not do what they wanted to do. Look at Hitler. A man who openly hated God's people. Openly. Didn't hide it. Actually set up internment camps and death camps, they called them, to just slaughter God's people. Wanted to take over the whole world and completely rule and reign with an antichrist agenda. But he could not do so because the church was still here. You can go through Mussolini, Mao Zedong. Go back through history. Look at all these men. Antichrist agenda. Could not do. Do you know that there was a president of Venezuela? What was his name? Hugo Chavez. President, you know what he did? Sent every Christian missionary out of the country. This was like seven years ago. Sent every Christian missionary out and said, we will have no Christian crusades in this nation, no mass crusades, no conversions in this nation. Sent them all home. Do you know, in less than a year, he was dead and moved out of the way. You know why? Because God cares more about an entire nation of souls than one antichrist man who holds back the gospel. It's a dangerous thing to make yourself an enemy of God. 
I said it's a dangerous thing to make yourself an enemy of God. If you were to stand in the way. Do you know the Bible says anyone that he would even cause one of my little ones to stumble and fall. It would be better that he hung a millstone around his neck and cast himself into the ocean than to cause one of my little, one of my little ones. Here's a president that stands up and says, I'll remove every Christian missionary. There'll be no crusades. There'll be no conversions and send them all home. That's one man who's not causing one of God's little ones, but an entire nation of God's people to, to, to be in a place where they can't hear the gospel. God didn't have it. God's not putting up with it. And if you make him, if you make him your enemy, is that that man did, you'll be moved out of the way. People that don't understand this say, brother, this is the New Testament. God doesn't do stuff like that. Tell that to Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> Quickly taken out. Tell that to the sorcerer Elemus when he tried to hold back the gospel from the governor Sergius Paulus while Paul was preaching, Acts 13. He's standing there preaching to the governor and a sorcerer is whispering in his ear, don't listen to him, he's lying to you, he's telling you falsehoods, don't listen to the gospel. And Paul stopped his preaching and said, let me tell you something, Elemus, from this day forward I curse you and command you to be blind. And from that moment, the Bible says that he was made blind and had to be led around by the hand. And when the governor saw it, he believed when he saw the power of God and heard the gospel preached it's a dangerous thing to stand in God's way and the Bible says the Antichrist will have been standing in God's way for seven years and look at this the Bible says verse 8 and then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord I love this this is where I'm getting whom the Lord Jesus will kill with what the breath of his mouth and the appearance of his coming Woo, glory to God you think about that the final battle, that's what I'm preaching on this morning, is there's a power in the breath of life that's in your mouth. More powerful than any antichrist spirit. More powerful than sickness, disease. More powerful than lack or poverty. More powerful than death. More powerful than demon spirits. So at the point where the antichrist and the false prophet and all the wicked stand on the final battlefield and we'll all be there because it's the second coming and we'll come back with the Lord as well as the angels. Everybody's going to be there. We're all going to be raring to go and ready to fight in glorified bodies and Jesus will say take it easy I don't need your help on this one and step out from the crowd and with the breath of his mouth the Bible says he will consume all of his enemies with the appearance of his coming and the breath of his mouth that's the power that's on the inside of you today is that the breath of heaven the breath of God is flowing through your body and when you begin to speak this mighty word out of your mouth Every demonic force is broken and destroyed by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, expect this week for God to do supernatural things and every wicked thing sent against you to be moved out of your way by the power of the Holy Ghost. If you believe that, lift your hands and begin to give God praise that every enemy of your life is being destroyed by the fire of the Holy Ghost. Every wicked thing, I mean lift both hands and thank Him, every wicked thing is destroyed by the power of the Holy Ghost. No enemy of your soul will be able to stop what God's called you to do. This is your time of victory in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, lift a shout unto the Lord today. Woo, hallelujah. If you know that it's true, Whew, hallelujah. Oh, Rashataha. 
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. My sister, I lay my hands upon you today in the name of Jesus Christ. And I loose healing virtue into your body by the power of God. Take authority over every attack of the enemy that is against your life. And from this day, I declare healing virtue flows through your body, making you whole in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And your body is being brought into line with the plan of God. The devil will not kill you, take you out in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So just take a minute, lift your hands, thank the Lord. Begin to worship Him for His goodness. Worship Him for His grace. Hallelujah. My brother, take my hand. I prophesy to you in Jesus' name that you've not even seen the beginning yet of what God has planned for you and your business. As you put Him first, He will cause the doors to swing wide open and there will never be a thought about, i got to get more business to fill the help. It will be, Lord, please, please send me the help to keep up with all the business. And in that same testimony I shared today, the man that signed one contract and tripled his income for the year. I pray that God swiftly blesses your life and blesses the work of your hands as you dedicate it to the kingdom of God. Lord, swiftly bless him. Swiftly increase him. Let violent increase come upon him from this day. Expedited favor from this day in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for it and we give you praise. Take a minute and just thank him. Praise him. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing in here today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oscar, stand on your feet. Lift your hands to the Lord. This is going to be a different kind of year for you and your wife. It's truly a year of promotion for what God's called you to do. And the things that seemed like were not lining up properly or quickly enough, in your opinion, God is going to line them up quickly in Jesus' name. As the Lord spoke to King Cyrus in Isaiah 45, he said, I'll go ahead of you and smash down the gates of bronze, and I will make the crooked places straight. For the Lord says to you today that he will go out ahead of you in 2020. Your righteousness shall go before you and smash down the gates of bronze. Everything that was holding back what God said is yours is being smashed down by the power of the Holy Ghost. And everything that the devil planned to be a crookedness in your path that would cause you to lose momentum in the Holy Ghost. Today God makes every crooked place straight in Jesus' name. And you'll see a quick increase, a violent increase. And you'll see yourself begin to move in supernatural momentum as the hand of God is upon you. Fire of the Holy Ghost come upon him in Jesus' name. I loose the mighty anointing of God upon you in the, in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Somebody lift your hands and give him glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Wonderful. He's wonderful. We love him. Jesus, we love you. Hallelujah. I tell you, if you're, if you're dealing with sickness in your body, 
sickness or disease in your body. Get ready for this to be a week of your healing in Jesus' name. Healing in Jesus' name. Because the enemy is trespassing on God's property. You're God's property. And, and see, that's why we set up boundary markers. Anybody that doesn't have a, a boundary marker on their property, nobody would know if they were trespassing or not. But when you set up a boundary marker and say no trespassing, they know when they've crossed that marker. And if they cross the marker, you've got a shotgun. See, that's the difference. So the devil knows where his boundary lines are, and if he tries to cross it, you've got Holy Ghost power. Click, click, boom. You understand? Hallelujah. It was not Smith & Wesson that was the inventor of the point-and-click interface. It was God. <laughs> He's the one that said, I will stand up off of my throne and rebuke the devourer for your sake. And when God speaks a word, it's more powerful than a shotgun blast. Whew, hallelujah. I loose the anointing into your body today. Be made whole in Jesus' name. Whew, hallelujah. My sister, receive it by the power of God. Healing virtue. Somebody, if you need to touch, lift your hands all over this church. God's releasing his healing anointing into this house today. And before we go, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for God's people. Here's what I want you to do. Stand on your feet. Two things. If you have some worship, you can put it on quietly. But stand on your feet all over this church, and I want your head to be bowed. You heard what I preached a moment ago, that Jesus is literally coming soon. It would be a foolish thing for me to end this service without asking you. That if there's anybody in this church this morning that you're not ready to see Jesus when he comes, there's something in your life that's not right holding you back from serving God, that you know that if Jesus did come today, you are not ready to look him in the eye and call him Lord because he's, he's not your Lord at this moment. Today's your day of salvation. With every head bowed and your eyes are closed, if you're in this church, you say, Preacher, that's me. I need to know today that I'm ready to see Jesus when he comes. I need sin to be removed from my life. And I want to know that I'm a child of God. Wherever you are, lift your hand, hold it high. And don't be ashamed. Wave it at me. Let me see who you are. Every person, if you raise your hand quickly, get out of your seat and come stand with me at this altar. And then I'm going to pray a prayer for God's people that need a touch. If you raise your hand, come now and come quickly. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Who else? You lifted your hand with this. Precious, precious woman. See, God's touching you. Hallelujah. God's touching you. You'll never be the same after today. For the Lord loves you. Lift your hands all over this church. God's touching her. Hallelujah. This is what we live to see. Wonderful people coming into the kingdom of God. Nothing like it. This is eternity. This is life or death. That's why we don't gloss over it. This is eternity. That's a long time to be separated from God. But that will not be her story. She is being connected into the kingdom. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this precious soul. Repeat this prayer with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for sending your son to die for me. Today I ask you, forgive me of my sin. Make me new. Give me the power to live for you. For the rest of my life, until I die, or until Jesus comes, in Jesus' name, I confess Jesus is Lord, and I believe you raised him from the dead. So today, I'm a new person. I'm a new creation. In Jesus' name, 
Now, Father, I pray, fill her with the Holy Ghost from this day. Empower her to live for you for the rest of her life. We thank you that every wicked thing that was sent against her is falling off and falling to the wayside as the Holy Ghost fights her battles for her. In Jesus' mighty name.